Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, leaders, welcome to episode 46 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. Got a special guest in the series of Leadership Top 5, where I sit down with a leader and ask them top five questions, five real good questions to get them talking, to learn a little bit more about them, their life, their leadership, and what keeps them strong. And speaking of strong, this dude is a strong leader, been engaged faithfully in youth ministry work for 20 plus years. His name is Sid Coop. Some of you might know of him. If you don't know of him, you're going to get to know him here in a real candid way on the podcast today. And Sid uh, hails from beautiful British Columbia, lives there currently, but he's been involved out west in youth ministry in places like Canmore and Lethbridge. And he's run organizations like Truth Matters and now founder and executive director of youthworker.community, where they inspire youth, equip leaders, and inform parents uh, through all sorts of various means and resources. Like they have a podcast you can search up and find. They they do um, webinars and teaching and curriculum, and they've got a they've actually got a two year uh, youth ministry coalition. Uh, program for for leaders who uh, part could be part of a BA or an MA a master's in uh, youth ministry training um, all sorts of things um, a podcast of their own and uh, you're gonna just hear what Sid's been up to and just you're gonna get to hear uh, a snapshot really of his passion for youth ministry and youth ministry workers and it was just a real treat a joy to sit down with him today on the podcast and I know you're I'm going to find this conversation to be very rich and meaningful, I'm sure, to you and your leadership. So let's let's just jump right to it. Here's my conversation with none other than Sid Coop. Sid, why don't you, for maybe our listeners, I know you've been involved with, with youth ministry specifically and youth workers and just ministry in general, but give us a little Cole's note, quick snapshot of where you're currently ministering, residing, um, maybe even family, married how many kids, all that. Just update us, just kind of a little bit about who you are, and then uh, we'll go right into, Sid, if you're if you're good with it, just telling us a little bit about how you got into ministry in the first place. Love it. Jared, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on here. I sure appreciate you and the work you do, and I feel like we've just started to get to know each other over the last little bit, um, but yeah. I've certainly heard, uh, you know, and so I'm very thankful for that. Jerry, we, um, I, I like you, love youth ministry, have been doing it for, uh, for a number of years. I can, I can legitimately say a couple of decades now, which is pretty wow. fun to be able to say that. The beard's getting a little more, <laughs> little more sparkly, a little more white than, than it was back in the day, right? Yeah. It's okay. So I, uh, Jerry, I did, you know, real quick, I did a, a four-year stint in Canmore, Alberta after college you know, being a youth pastor, I did 11 years in Lethbridge, Alberta at, okay. at a church overseeing student ministries. And, and now I work, uh, we started an organization called Truth Matters back in the day. And the, the, the vision or the purpose was, you, you know, really to help the next generation see and experience the truth of Jesus Christ, really passionate about students knowing Jesus through his word. That was a, that was a real yeah. passion for me. We had three ways that we wanted to do that, three strategies. It was inspiring students. It was informing parents and equipping leaders. And then it, it was funny, like as I got a little older, you know, it, it started out with just speaking to students at retreats and conferences and camps. I mean, Jerry, we traveled right across the country speaking at different camps every summer wow. and loved it for about 
15 years, our wow. family would jump in an RV. We would do seven to nine weeks of camp at different places. No and it was so cool. Mostly in the prairies, like a okay. lot of prairie yeah. camps. I think, I think pretty much every, uh, you know, every kind of dugout with a Quonset beside it that we called camp, we've been at. And uh, (laughs) it was a great experience. That's awesome. So love that. And then um, as we got a little bit, you know, as I, as I aged a bit, started shifting more towards working with youth workers. So we started by um, uh, back in the day, Jerry, I don't know if you remember it, but youth specialties used to run a conference called the Canadian Youth Workers Conference. And it was a once a year national conference. And, um, and then, uh, it, that kind of died. So they took it off their books, but I had a, a vision Jer, where I just felt like the most important youth workers were actually our volunteer youth workers. They were often mm. in the most significant relational roles with kids, but had yeah. the least amount of equipping and training. Right. And I knew that in Canada, we didn't really have the professional development funds to get our teams to these training events. I love the training right. events, but it was so hard for me when I was youth pastoring to get my volunteers there. And I knew that was so important for them. So we actually took over the Canadian youth worker conferences and went regional at that time. So we, we did regional conferences across the country and our whole vision was to be, have this affordable and accessible place for youth ministry teams to come and experience training and get tools and be equipped and encouraged. And so our vision was to encourage and equip more youth workers to disciple kids next week. And um, that's why we did those. And so that was great. And then a few years in, you know, um, we were thinking a lot, you know, again, about how do we continue to to do a better job of, of encouraging and equipping our youth workers. So then we started the coalition for youth ministry excellence, which was a two-year um, school, essentially, for vocational okay. youth workers. And my friend Marv Penner, it was his vision and dream. He'd been on staff at Briarcrest, and he'd had this dream about doing something that was more experiential, uh, that was about you know being in cohorts, um, right. community, all those sorts of things, right? But still yeah. maintaining a high academic rigor. And so um, we launched that thing, and it's been amazing, Jer. We've graduated about 40 students over the last uh, three years, two wow. years uh, from the coalition. And, um, and it's a two-year program. Again, you come in for four one-week modulars, but then you're in a local church context, okay. and um, you know, you're being mentored. You gather once a month online, all that kind of stuff. Well, so the, and, and, Let me stop you for a sec. So are yeah. these, just for our listeners and for myself, actually, Yeah. so these people who go through this, these 40 that you've just spoken of, are these people like lay leaders in, in local churches that with no youth ministry training? Like You're not talking people that have been to Bible college, or are you? Is it a mix I, of both? It's actually a mix of both, Jared. Okay. So. When we started, the vision was that more and more churches were bringing up their youth worker from within. Right. And, um, and we knew that they didn't, you know, they didn't want to leave their, move their family to go right. get education right. or break the bank to go get education. And we said, what if we could create an educational experience that could keep them in their local context? Because that was the best place to learn anyways. Yeah. They'd have a ministry mentor who's yeah. walking alongside them, and then they could come in for modulars to get that training. And we fly our profs in from around North America. Um, But the beauty is it's both part of a BA program. So you can get your bachelor's out of it or your master's. And that's where we get, Jer, we have this kind of cool mix in our classes of students who maybe haven't had 
theological training before, but right. they've been in ministry for a while Okay, with, you know, youth pastors or youth workers who've been in it for a bit and want to kind of upgrade to the next level sure. as far as their education goes the next place of leadership. So we graduate both master's and bachelor level students. Wow. So we started that, that thing's cool. And I've got a bit ADD, Jer, so I, I got to do more than just a few things sure. or be a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we wanted to, you know, make a difference beyond just our program moment. We started doing digital resources, started dipping our toes in some of the, you know, uh, digital creation world. So we've, we've done some work there, which is good. Um, we do research. We've been a part of a couple of research projects, hemorrhaging faith, renegotiating yeah. faith. And then into the pandemic, Jer, we just, we knew that local churches were struggling. We knew, um, we knew senior leadership in churches and denominations were having a bit of a hard time figuring out, Hey, what, what does healthy and effective youth ministry actually look like in this time? And so we started doing youth ministry design. And so we have contracts, Jer, with 10 organizations where we, um, they have us come in, you know, we assess their youth ministries for them and with senior leadership, help put together a strategic plan. In some cases, we help, you know, mentor their youth worker in execution and then train and okay. equip. And, and it's cool. And then, you know, the final, final bit of it, Jer, is, is we just got on contract. My wife is the executive director of Green Bay Bible Camp. So we are okay. now overseeing the um, discipleship and leadership development at, uh, at camp this summer. So it's like this full circle wow. where our organization is back in the camping ministry as well. And it's been crazy, dude. But that. here's the thing I've loved, Jer. We've had this really cool opportunity to build relationship and bridge relationships with youth workers from all different kind of facets of life. So, you know, different denominations, uh, community, youth ministries, local church, love the local church so much, you know, institutions. And so it's just been this really cool experience, Jer, and I am so thankful and privileged to be a part of the youth worker community, you know, as a as a group of people kind of at this stage of my life, it's been pretty neat. Love it. Wow. That's amazing, Sid. And wow, what a, what a resume of, of just various. um, Yeah. Just all over from Canmore, Lethbridge to truth matters to now what you're doing today. And such a, I know many of our listeners uh, would know who you are, Sid, and just maybe not know you personally, like, like I'm getting to know you more and more the last, the last year or two, but um, have been influenced or affected by your work and, and the resources and just even some of the studies you've mentioned, hemorrhaging faith, those things that have gone nationwide and I'm sure even beyond our nation. And so we just appreciate, I appreciate the work that you've done and uh, just your, it's pretty easy to tell your passion, Sid, uh, just for youth ministry and now youth ministry workers, especially. And so, uh, so thank you on behalf of so many youth workers across Canada for what you do and uh, every day, day in and day out. You know, just to be honest, a couple things, first of all, um, I wish I could say like I had a strategic plan for all this and I saw it. I got to be honest with you. I don't, I'm not a good planner. Like we kind of walk through doors as they open up. Sure. But more importantly, um, God has just uh, allowed me to be a part of, of a community of youth workers where Mm. it's been dreams together. Mm. So, you know, even when we think about um, the conferences, to be honest with you, I was with one of my buddies and he just said, Sid, I think we got to do something. Uh, together. Let's get a bunch of us youth pastors together and do something. I'm like, okay, I just happen to have a little extra time so I can help 
kind of structure it or organize it a little bit. Yeah. So it really has Jer, like, you know, you and I both know that, that when we can be the dumbest person in the room, that's actually not a bad play. Yeah. And I find that's that good. to consistently be so God's blessed me with mm-hmm. that kind of positioning. And, um, and, and not only that, and I know you're going to ask questions about it, but I've been blessed with a family and especially my wife who just loves youth ministry hmm. and is so passionate about this work. I, you know, there was a season when I was really doubting if, if this was still my call sure. and it was hard on her. And I remember after we'd kind of gone through it, she goes, Sid, I, I don't know what I would have done if you wouldn't have stayed in youth ministry. She goes, because I was staying in it. <laughs> like, oh, and so she was Good like, no, yeah, good to know. Cause yeah. she was like, for the first time, we'd kind of be doing different things. And, uh, and it was, you know, so she's always, in fact, I can tell you so many stories when she's kind of kicked my butt and she just said, Hey, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. I remember yeah. one time we're in our bedroom and, um, I don't know, getting ready for the day. And uh, somehow we get into the conversation about the ministry stuff. And she just looks at me and she just goes, Hey, our family is good. I've got our family. We're doing good. I need you to bring your A game because you're not. And we really need you to step it up. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yeah. So we've had we've wow. had those conversations on more than That's one occasion. Awesome. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, really, you know, Jerry, I just think <clears> it's uh it, it, you know, I'm I'm almost 50 now. And uh and I live in a family, I'll just lay it out there straight up. I live in a family where where the men die pretty young. So my dad okay. died at 48, my brother died at 55, my uncle died at 48. Wow. All healthy dudes, but it just happens. So wow. for me, my narrative, and I'm asking the Lord to give me give me years. Uh, I'd sure. like to help raise sure. my grandkids and all that stuff. But I live in this narrative where I feel like, man, I could be like, you know, quite a ways through my life, like literally. And I look back now and I go, I'm, I'm just thankful that the Lord has allowed me to um, spend my life in this, in this area passing. I just, I can't imagine Jer a more important thing to be doing than passing faith to the next generation. And it's not easy. We all get tired this season, especially, Yeah. but man, I just feel so privileged that God would allow, have allowed this to be my vocation. And I'm really thankful for that, man. Really, really, really blessed. That's oh, that's sure. awesome. Thank you for, uh, for bringing us up to speed, Sid, just on, on uh, kind of the, the last number of years and where you are now. And I'm believing with you for, for many more years uh, yeah, that uh, we'll be able to do this 10, 15, 20 years well, from now. That, if dude. podcasting's still even a thing, right? Like, <laughs> I think be we'll something be doing else holograms or exactly. we'll be gramming into people's living rooms. Virtual or reality, we'll be sitting <laughs> with people live in the room, yeah. 3D, something like that. Uh, well, Sid, I, I want to, uh, I'm taking a real... Um, just a, a real initiative or priority, I guess, is the better word, just on leadership health. So many leaders yep. out there, especially through this pandemic, I, I think yep. we're not necessarily that the pandemic's been the the cause for it, but it's exposing things, right? Absolutely. And especially in leaders and their, their health. And something that I'm super, super passionate about is leadership health. It's why yep. we do this podcast. And so I'd just love to ask you a few personal questions, just yep. even surrounding your own leadership health. I believe yeah. and have believed for years that healthy leaders produce healthy ministry. Yeah. And uh, I, I think I know you well enough to know you'd agree with that. So 
Um, so I want to ask you first, personally, just um, we call this kind of leadership top fives. And I'm going to ask you just five questions today yeah. and uh, maybe some supplementary stuff surrounding some of these. But uh, just questions based upon your own, you know, how you stay healthy as a leader. You mentioned you've been right. in a couple decades now. Well, that doesn't happen by chance. Yeah. That's uh, I know some of the other opportunities we find ourselves are not always a strategic plan, but it is intention yeah. and strategy yeah. that does go into staying healthy as a leader. Absolutely. So, uh, I want to start with your own personal habits, disciplines, maybe just tell us one or a couple, but something that's been most effective for you staying healthy as a leader. And I'm talking, I think we'd all agree, you know, kind of a given, maybe it shouldn't be, but a given would be your own personal devotion, Bible reading, you know, prayer life. I'm going to assume those are given. So outside okay, of that, great. beyond that, love that, is there anything, you know, you've just seen yield so many results for you personally as a leader, like, um, yeah, if you were to, if you were only allowed to have one personal discipline, what would you keep? Uh, because this has been just so significant for you and your leadership. Jared, I don't want to, uh, I'm going to try to take up a ton of time for you, but I do want to frame this if I could just yeah, for a second. Please do. You, you, you know, Jared, when we entered the pandemic, I was just like, man, how do I find this emotional equilibrium where I can, you know, uh, uh, I was fighting for the space where I could mentally be healthy and focused on the mission God had called us to. And it was hard, right? Cause we'd lost lots of our freedoms, lots yeah. of our structures, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm reading, I was reading uh, Philippians and I'm reading about Paul and Paul's so excited about the mission and the gospel work that he's been called to. And then I realized the dude's in jail and he's been in jail for like four years. Wow. And yet he's on point, you know, like yeah. really on point. Yeah. Now I'm going to assume he had some ups and downs. He was probably a somewhat volatile dude, but I'm just saying dude was on point. And so, um, and then as you read through his gospels and you read his, sorry, through the epistles and you read through his prayers. So interesting to me that almost without exception, he never prayed that God would change his circumstance, only that God would kind of renew his mind and the people's minds. And they would see the beauty of Jesus in more clear ways and understand who Christ is for them and the work of the gospel and all those sorts of things. Wow. And I just think the first thing for me has been this fight to see what is actually real, that, that we serve a God who is wise, who is good, who is powerful in control called us to a time such as this. And we use that language kind of glibly, but I'm finding that that battle in the mind is so important. Mm. The place that, you know, we wrestle yeah. is in God's word. We need to be there on our knees in prayer. You and I have talked about that. In fact, Jerry, you, you know, last time we talked, you talked about repositioning yourself physically in prayer in the morning. Yeah. Just the other day, I was on my knees thinking of you positioning myself humbly before the Lord, just physically acknowledging his authority and sovereignty in my life. So I just want to mm. say, I think that battle is so important. Okay. So yeah. I want to affirm that now. What's, what has done it for me? This is a, uh, this is, so we assume all that. I get that. Good. I think the one, there's two things for me, actually, uh, physical, um, activity has been like this crazy, okay. huge deal. Yeah. And it hasn't been, I'm not, I want to be really careful when I say this, cause I don't care about like, um, to, you know, exercise for the sake of working out and letting my body look good and all that kind of stuff. It's, sure. you know, our body is, uh, it's not, um, man, what did I read? I read someone that said, your body's not an ornament. It's an instrument. So look mm, after it as such. Good. So, um, so I have found that, that, um, if I can get, you know, I've been doing some reading doctors tell us that about 150 minutes a week of activity is a game changer in so many areas, uh, for us as human beings. Uh, number one, mental health is probably one of the most significant things you can actually do yeah. for your mental health is to get active. And what I mean by go for a walk, like yeah. get outside, go for a walk. 
Uh, my wife, uh, you know, I'm working in the office here at her camp. They do, they do wall squats. Like also they'll bust out 10 wall squats, like every hour or whatever. Wow. And I'm like, okay, but it's just, <laughs> what it does is it get these chemicals going yeah, in your body. It's true. Yeah. And it renews your mind. So uh, we've dove, we've dove, I've, I've kind of like really leaned into that. And with our teams that we work with, we'll do stupid things. We'll do contests one month at a time where it's like a hundred pushups a day. And sure. I said, I don't care if you do one rep every, yeah. Yeah. you know, 10 minutes, but just that movement, that activity. And here's what's interesting about that, Jer. We were in our, in our last podcast, we were working through different elements of a youth night and why they're so important. And what, one of the things we're saying is we're saying, Hey, you know what? Like that game that you do at the beginning of the night, right. when the whole group is active is actually bigger than just entered. It's way bigger than entertainment. It should never have been about entertainment. Sure. It's also about building community shared experience, but it's also about the health of our kids, get them moving, get the right chemicals happening in their brain. And mm-hmm. it allows them to dial in and become more present for what it is that you want to have happen next. So and good. so I've actually taken that one pretty seriously. And really, Jer, I think that's been, that's been huge for me is the spiritual discipline. I see it as a spiritual discipline. I believe that my, you know, my, my God has bought me at a price. I'm to honor my God with my body. I think that's real. Yeah. Um, and I try to do that to some degree. There's lots of areas I have to work on, but I found that that activity piece has played a really important role. And it used to be supplementary. If I could get to it, I would. And then right. I realized it was about stewardship and not just stewardship of my body, but my ministry. And so I started to find the time of day where, where it was easiest for me to access that because that changed how I functioned the rest of my day. So mm. I think that's kind of the, the weird kind of side play that I've yeah. leaned into that's actually been super helpful for me. Oh, uh, that's so good. And what does that look like? You got, I can just, mm. just like, what does yep. that look like for you, Sid, in this season? I, I know the climate's a little bit different out there in BC than it is maybe for people here in Ontario, but we've got listeners all across Canada that listen to this. So what does that yeah. look like for you on the daily, the weekly, whatever that might be? Yeah. So when I'm at my best, uh, what it looks like, uh, if I'm at my best, is I'm up in the morning. Uh, I spend my first chunk of time in the morning and, and I haven't always been an early riser. I am now. Uh, When I started in youth ministry, by the way, I tried to be an early riser. And then my senior pastor came to me and he said, Hey, Sid, you're out with kids. So like 11 o'clock at night, most nights, you can't be in the office by like 6am. Like this isn't a sustainable rhythm, dude. So (laughs) you got to shift it up. And he was right. But, uh, but I do, I do love my morning. So I'm up early. I get my reading and prayer and some of that stuff in, try to get in about a 30 minute run. And even uh, through Christmas, I forced myself this year. Oh, we were in Lethbridge. It was minus like 25. So cold, bro. So oh, I just wow. geared up and just said, you know, big snow mitts. I said, if I can make it through this week doing this, yeah. I'll be better. And I'll feel like I've accomplished something. You know beast what I mean? Mode. Like, come yeah. on, beast mode. Yeah. So I do that. And then, um, and again, I'm at this age. I want to be careful when I say this, everybody, because again, my schedule is a little different, all that kind of stuff. But I try to do a, a run in the morning. I'll do some kind of stupid thing through the day. Like right now I'm doing a hundred pushups a day. So every, every little bit I'll drop and do a few. Cause again, it just okay. helps me reset, yeah. especially when I'm on screens. Yep. And then, um, and then if I'm at my best, when I get home, um, 
dude, I'm almost 50. So you start losing functional strength. So (laughs) I just try to, I try to lift a little bit. I do a little bit of strength training, maybe like 15, 20 minutes. Okay. And, um, number one, that's healthy for me. And also it renews my mind for the evening. So I can have a really productive evening with my wife and my boys Mm. if I've done that. And I find if I don't, I find a little harder for me to have that productive evening, to be honest with you. So that's when I'm at my best. And then my, my baseline that I fight for is to get that 30 minutes of either a run or a walk or something like that. I find that to be kind of the most important yeah. is, is, is the baseline bit that I try to, and about five days a week. That's what I shoot for. That's just me. That's awesome. No, that's so good. And, and it actually that, that second one, you just mentioned a, a moment ago, kind of that second physical activity before the evening, there's actually a, there's actually research out there um, yeah. that suggests that is actually that sec. It actually wakes us up again. Most yep. people start shutting down, wind down their evenings. Yep. You know, it's where they're non-existent, non-present when they get home, maybe, and they're yep. in a different space. But I was reading a book uh, a year or two ago, the 5 a.m. club, yep. uh, Robin Sharma, and he actually talks about that second window, whether it's a walk before supper or just after anything. Yep. Just 20, yep. 30 minutes just gets you going and makes your evening incredibly different. It's so. a game changer. Yeah. Jared, stupid. I'm I shocked what a difference it makes. It's the difference between me falling asleep on the couch yep. and me being engaged. Do you yep. know what I mean? Totally. And it totally. really is. And here's what's funny, Jared. I find that um, I'll go through seasons where I'll be really on and then I'll just struggle. And I have to restart. And I've given myself the freedom to keep restarting. And my restart has to be easy access. Do you know what? I, so I'll yeah, make it easy. Yeah. Maybe it'll be just 10 minutes of something because yep. I go, I can access that. If I have in my mind, that's I have good. to get in like the 45 minute, right. you, you know, full game. Yeah. That just feels too hard for me sure. to get to. Yeah. I just have to get started. I remember, I'll tell you a quick story, Jer. I was, uh, when I was in Lethbridge youth pastoring and it was a tough season hmm. and I, I just, the night was specific. I was so struggling. I felt like I was spiraling actually, even mentally spiraling. It was like a cat caught in a room yeah, starting yeah. to spin and my wife just goes to me she goes could you please just go get on the treadmill please just 20 minutes just go get on the treadmill and uh you know my my brain gets worrying and i was worrying and finally i just went and got on the treadmill and it I, i'll always look at that as a moment of god's hand that just kind of shifted me wow. through that and i and i think he, he gave us our bodies he gave us our physical bodies yeah. he's at work there it, it, you know, it's, it's part of who he's designed us to be. And it was a shift. And I just find for me, when I do that, my brain calms, it doesn't mean that anything else changes, but the way my brain is functioning on that, it's almost like I can set it aside for a minute, be present, allow myself to become aware of God and who he is again. And it puts things in their proper place. Mm. And so that's just what I, you know, Jerry, we won't get to be functional forever. Maybe, I don't know. Some people don't have that that right. opportunity. I understand that and God's grace will be present in other ways, but I think this is a part of a normal practice that we should fight for as a way of stewarding what he's uh, called us to steward. So yeah, it's uh, good. so good. Such good advice. I uh, said, I want to move on to, and it's, it's all connected, not that we're moving yeah. on, but uh, I want to go into kind of marriage family. Uh, I know you've spoke of your wife a few times and just the incredible, yeah. um, just partner that she is with you and in ministry. And I know you've got uh, some kids as well. So talk to, to our listeners for a moment, just about maybe a, a piece of practical advice. You know, yep. you obviously you've been in, in ministry for, 
for a couple decades. I don't know how long you guys have been married, but you can share that with us as well. But once one piece of practical advice that's really helped you and your spouse um, stay married in a healthy relationship and especially in ministry. I mean, we're, there's yep. so many um, leaders out there who are, who are in ministry and either them or both them and their spouse are involved and engaged in ministry. And, and we know, I think you, you would agree with this, Sid, what I'm about to say, but the, there is a target yes. from the enemy on yes. ministry marriages. There just yeah. is. And just is. I, I, I've found, you know, the, the, you know, especially even at this district level now, I've I've felt the attacks of the enemy on our marriage and our family yep. even greater than back when I was in the local church. And that's yep. not to say what I'm doing, but the influence is wider spread yep. and the enemy doesn't like that. So nope. give us a piece of practical advice and then even talk to us even about, about parenting for a second and just... Yep. You know, there's so many out there with kids and a practical piece of advice as a dad to to other uh, parents out there. Yeah, great. Okay, a couple of things that I'm just thinking of, Jer. I think, first of all, I think that as, as, as pastors, we have to just get our heads wrapped around the reality that um, if, you, if you need to frame it as ministry, if that's going to be helpful for you. Let me, let me try to back this up. Number one, I think number one healthy thing I did for my family was to not allow my ministry to be the most defining experience in my life. If you're mm -hmm. defined by your ministry and your position, you'll, you'll sacrifice a lot of other things in order to maintain that. So I think that's the first, that's mm -hmm. one of the first places you have to do battle with, yeah. um, in order to be faithful. Um, and then, um, and, and so then part of what that meant for me was if that was my most important relationship that I was called to steward, you know, then, then that just changed how I prioritize certain things. Now, it didn't mean that I, we didn't do ministry. It meant that I was always fighting to be aware of kind of the health of our relationship, where we were at right, right. and how to lean in. So, uh, you know, and then uh, for me again, Jer, I was, God was so gracious to me that he, he gave me a spouse who, who loved the, felt equally called to the work that right. we were doing. And by the way, she's now the executive director of, of the camp that I'm working for. So, you know, she, we're all, she's all in, we're all in. And sure. I'm not even suggesting that's necessarily been healthy, both of us all right. in, in this yeah. way, but we're fighting for it. That was the first thing. Second thing is creating great shared experiences. I just think that's so important. I think mm. you, I think playing together, having shared experiences, enjoying life together is, is the, is such a key when we have our struggle seasons and oh baby, do we have our struggle seasons? Um, uh, we just kind of look for, okay, what's a great shared experience that we can do together? How could we play together or have fun together? And again, for us, it's actually moving, you know, being physical, uh, again, together, going for a right. hike or yeah. taking a trip. We would often take trips down the coast and do adventures on the way. So, um, that was really important to me. My wife's love language, she would say is adventure. So trying to find ways to make that a part of our mm -hmm experience was really important to us. So I actually think those shared experiences, uh, Jer, have been the key. And I believe it's the same in my relationship with my boys. Jen and I were both talking about this just yesterday, actually. Probably the person who had the most significant effect on my spiritual journey was my dad. And okay. I was thinking back over, what was it that made such a difference? And I, I can only remember maybe two faith-based conversations we had. I'm sure we had more, but I can only remember two. Yeah. But he played with me and enjoyed me so much. You know what I mean? Mm. Like we were, we were active together. 
And, um, and I think that is such a game changer in our families. And part of that is because it puts you in space where you get to model your authentic faith outside of your ministry window, if you will. Yeah. And so it's where your kids get to see, you know, how real is this? I, I was always asking the question, um, is who I am off the stage the same as who I am on the stage? Yeah. And I would every once in a while ask my boys the question. I would say, hey, is daddy different at home than he is at, at church? Right. And I remember one time I asked Cole that question or Peyton that question. It was probably too young. I was probably all inspired trying to do, you know, and they were too young for it. But anyways, sure. he goes, oh, yeah, you are, dad. I'm like, oh, shoot. And I'm like, how is dad different? He goes, oh, you're just louder at home. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I can live with that. <laughs> we can deal with that one. Sure. You know, but those were the, those were the kinds of things. Those are the kinds of things I think a lot about is, right. um, is shared experience, uh, playing together. I think it's so important. And then being able to authentically model our faith before our boys outside of that ministry environment mm. where, you know, we have to turn it on and that's part of stewarding yeah. it is making sure that we're appropriately on. I get that. But how different does that look from your normal ways of, of living? And I think those are important questions to ask. Hey, Jared, the other thing I just want to say is that, um, and I've failed at this fair amount, but my room, my space was all, I tried to always make it open to my kids. And my mentor, Marv Penner, talked a lot about this, that they always have access. To, do your kids have access to you, Sid? And so I really fought to allow my kids and my wife to have access to me. And even as we went more uh, digital, I would yep. say to people, hey, I just want you to know if my wife calls, I'm going to be just quickly grabbing that if that's okay. And right. in general, right. that was kind of a rule of thumb that we worked with. Um, and I would say, hey, boys, I'm just I'm in a meeting right now. Can I call you right back? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, great. I'll call you right back, son. Yeah. But we wanted to be authentic and we wanted to be accessible. Those things were really important. Mm, in terms that's of, so good. Uh, with our boys. Yeah. And we see, I mean, you've seen it, you've heard of it. You've, I'm sure you've seen it. I've seen it, but so many, you know, kids, the typical stereotype, the PK that goes off the rails, yep. whatever rebels. But yep. I think you've spoken uh, just such helpful advice there to so many parents out there engaged in ministry is, is just prioritizing family, but it's that relational component, right? Rules yeah. without relationship equal rebellion. And if we Absolutely. don't have continue to invest, and my wife is way better at this than I am, yeah. I'm the intentional guy. She's the relational person. And, yep. and we bring that yep. mix together, right? Brilliant. And um, really brilliant. But you have to be so intentional about the yep. relationship yep. with your kids and staying, uh, keeping that relationship alive. Otherwise, yep. you know, there's a disconnect. Jer and I just want to add one thing to that. I think it was really important for me to realize um, to not put the pressure on my kids that how, uh, how do I want to frame this? I'm, you'll understand it intuitively, Jer, but that my kids were not responsible for my platform. Mm. That's not even the right way to do it. But yeah. if I was so concerned about saying. my image as pastor and I placed that you guys are hindering my image as pastor. Yeah. That's such garbage to place that. Yeah. And I can't put the right language on that right now, but I had to really give my kids the freedom to be human yeah. and, um, and to have their journey with Jesus and to, and to be faithful in that. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And, and not, um, not, not unintent, not subconsciously or consciously place the burden of my position on their shoulders. They didn't choose that. Mm, and um, so to some good. degree, your families will carry that, like so you good. said, 
And, and our boys, the one thing I do sometimes wrestle with, Jaren, you referenced it off the top, that I think our families are attacked in unique ways. Uh, really, uh, I think one, one of the sads of my heart is that it has felt to me like when I deal with different issues, in some way, those issues manifest themselves in my kids' lives, whether it's their friends around them and it's a burden to carry or whether it's something that they are personally attacked with. Right. And, and, um, and, you know, we just kind of come to see that pattern. And so we pray into our kids' lives a lot. And we also ask other healthy adults to speak yes. into our kids' lives yes. a lot. And so um, those other adults have been a real game changer for them. Very, mm. and, and we've given the freedom, Jer, when I am... Um, when Peyton went to another youth group, which was so important for him, I got, I know the youth pastor and I got to just sit down with him and say, Hey, don't, whatever you do, don't ever defend me in front of my kid. Right. He, I'm a human and he's had some, you know, we've had our struggles and he's going to need a safe place to download that. And I'd love you to be that safe place. And I think that would be really wow. important. So we tried to be intentional in setting Powerful. those types of spaces up. Yeah. It's so good. And, and our kids, you're, you're right, Sid, I, I've, I've tried never to impose that whole PK, even the title yeah, of that. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. like it at all. Other yeah. people do. They'll call them that. I've never called my kids or referred to them as PKs. However, at the same time, I do want to acknowledge there are challenges as Absolutely. That, that they wear from others. Yeah. And I've tried not to, but I'm sure some of it's just um, part of being that and, and yeah. living under that. However, what I've tried to do, and I share this with, with youth pastors and, and youth workers all the time is try and always illuminate the, the positives of being a PK yes. to your kids. Right. And so yes. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I remember us going to things like Calypso. Yeah. When we were in Ottawa, we'd go to a water park every summer and take the whole, and we always did. I always did ministry. We did it as a family. So our kids yes. came to everything. They yes. were at youth, I, yes. till, you know, McDonald's yeah. one in the morning, hanging out yes. with students and the workers would be going, why are your kids <laughs> up right now? I said, yeah. oh, they're just used to it. Right. And to this it's day, our good. kids are Nighthawks because they grew yeah. up in youth ministry right but anyways i remember driving to calypso water park got the whole fam in the car and i i deliberately said to each of my kids i said isn't it so cool what mom and dad do for a living wonderful like could you imagine any other job that dad's job is he gets to go to a water park in the middle of the summer (laughs) take you guys and we don't even have to pay I said, isn't that so so cool? Like what other job could you do? And I always was deliberate and intentional about pointing out the positives because too many times they hear the negatives. Oh, I hate, I got to be at the church. You you know, our kids loved it. They still, to this day, they're teenagers now, but they talk about the days running around while I was preaching at youth with Nerf guns or whatever, like having the run of the whole church and they loved it instead of dreaded it. Right. Uh, I just think it's so important. Jer, I just love that so much. Now you're going to get me on story time here. Like uh, <laughs> we started doing airsoft in the church late at night and my boys just thought it was like the absolute <laughs> coolest thing <laughs> until oh, our man. airsoft guns got too powerful and we started oh, yeah. the walls and that <laughs> came to an end. But I love what you said there, Jared, doing ministry with your kids. I love how you frame it. Look at like, doesn't, I bet you everyone wishes they could be us. And in so many ways they yeah. could. And I, uh, I, you know, when I stepped away from the local church, from the one local church ministry position, my kids were not happy with me. That yeah. was actually an interesting wrestling match because yeah. um, they just, they really did love it. And I'll tell you a funny story just about our family. When we had our first kid, Peyton, my wife, uh, 
man, two weeks after we had him, she came to youth with Peyton right away. Boom. I thought it was the first week, but I think it was the second week. Okay. And then she decided to try to play basketball with the boys at youth group, <laughs> broke her ankle. Dude, oh, for the first... <laughs> first oh wow three weeks after having our baby i'd wake up in the morning put peyton on the bed with jen put diapers and food then i'd have to head off to the office oh, man. that's how that's how it was like we it was just all all of that stuff was in there and you know i jared my i love hearing your journey with your kids that way because it resonates with me so yeah. much and i love that my kids love youth ministry now yeah. they yeah. love the church like it's That's good. It. And That's I'm it. so thankful for that, man. I'm so That's thankful awesome. for that. Well, Sid, I, I want to move to uh, just a, a more missional community minded yeah. question. And uh, I just, I just love your heart for people and for youth workers. And we've talked, talked a lot inside the church, but I want to talk, move to outside the church for a second. And uh, I know you, I think well enough to know that you're engaged in uh, living on mission in your community neighborhood, whatever. And so I'd love for you to just share, because I think sometimes we can be so inward focused, especially yeah. as paid vocational ministry workers, it can be, it can consume us. Right. And yeah. one of the, one of the things I love doing, I get to now sit in our fellowship. Anyways, I get to sit on the credentialing committee and I'm there when brand new, eager, young people are coming in for credentials with the PAOC. And I get to ask some questions. And there's a lot of the traditional questions that get asked, but I always ask the ones that nobody else asks. So I'll ask questions like, hey, tell me some of your neighbor's names and their story. Because I'm right. looking to see, are these missional might? Because <laughs> if they're not going to be in leadership positions, then their people never will be. Because yeah. leadership is influence and yada, yada, yada. So talk to me a little bit about how you've stayed engaged or maybe one of the areas, one of the ways you are staying engaged in your community to be to live on mission as we're yep. called to do. Really great. And I just want to say, Jared, I, I have found that it requires intentionality and it doesn't come yes. easy. Yeah. Um, the, when it started to become a little more easier for us was when our kids got involved in community activity. Yeah. So that was a real game changer. So, um, my boys both played sports, um, and especially basketball was big for them. Okay. And so I just, I fought to be present and that was the community. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you a funny story. Like, um, and I'm not a basket. I didn't grow up being a basketball guy. My wife was, sure. was, um, but again, I loved it. I'm in with the kids. I'm giving it all I can. And my son started playing um, uh, rep ball, uh, you know, regional rep teams. Okay. And the coach who was a university coach came to me and he goes, Hey, I need you to be my assistant coach. I'm like, Hey dude, I don't really know basketball to be honest with you. He goes, <laughs> he goes, no, but I've watched you and kids like you. So I just need wow. you to come be my coach. Wow. And so for a, a, a number of years, um, I became kind of the team youth pastor, to be honest with That's you, awesome. dude was not a follower of Christ. But, you know, fought to be like faithful, fought to be like uh, helpful, yeah. good at what we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that just really became that space. Um, wanted to be um, present with the community itself. So with the parents and that sort of thing. And, right. um, and love parents by loving their kids well. And, you know, it's amazing to me in lots of, of these environments that they, they're often somewhat dysfunctional in the way that you know, the coaches engage with kids and to try to be a mm -hmm. functional leader in that place with other people's children is an incredible gift back to the community. Yep. And so that's been the space where we have mostly now, it's, it, you know, it's interesting because my youngest son is in grade 12 now and, you know, we'll be um, 
you know, heading off to college and such things. And so, uh, during the pandemic, I haven't been coaching, but I've re, you know, me, myself and that coach are reconnect, you know, we've been reconnecting saying, Hey, let's coach okay. again That's together. Awesome. Yeah. But I've been having to cognitively think, what will I be doing to stay really present in community when my kids are no longer my bridge yes. into that space? Yes. Yeah. And so both Jen and I wrestle with that. Again, we're both in these kind of ministry roles with the camp and our, and our youth ministries. So it's not easy. I think it's really helpful, Jer, if you can find something you're passionate about that you can yeah. lean into or that there's a natural movement. And totally. we always wanted to push our kids into being in community and be with them there as well. Um, so that we can model what it is to be on mission together. So now, you know, when I, my son, by the way, this is, this activity is now pretty much done for me because he just got his driver's license last week. So he's driving to school this morning for the first time on his own. But okay. when we would drive to school, I would pray for him and his peers that God would help him uh, show his friends the love of Jesus. And then yeah. he would pray for me and his friend's parents that God would help me show their parents the love of Jesus. And wow. so that's kind of how we would, that was part of our, you know, one of our routines we would do and we would head to school. That's so so cool. that's kind of how we tried to lean into that. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Sid, the uh, ministry is a, is definitely, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. Um, we hear that all the time. And in leadership, we're also... I mean, you don't have to look too far and wide to hear a story of a leader who's fallen morally or yeah. just been tripped up or whatever the case may be. And we've talked about the target, you know, that is enlarged, I think, uh, on those involved and engaged in yeah. ministry. And so talk to us, you know, as candidly, transparently as you're willing to do so, but maybe about a personal guardrail or boundary that you've intentionally put in place, set up in your life to keep you from being another one of those stories that makes the media or, or whatever that the media often loves to, uh, to write about uh, what's, what's been key, what's been hugely significant for you and just uh, keeping yeah. you healthy in that area. That's a really great question. Um, I, I think, um, you, you know, uh, Jer, I've been a little bit disillusioned by what I would call traditional accountability where you have 10 questions that you meet with somebody once every right. two weeks and ask the 10 yeah. questions and then bada bing, we're gone. Because yeah. most yeah. of the leaders who have failed, you know, who have had a catastrophic failure over the last while, were fairly committed to that type of a framework near as yeah. I can tell. Yeah. And so I've been wrestling with what's, what could be different. And, and what I, what I'm trying to lean into is, um, is real uh, authenticity and vulnerability and early confession. So mm. what I mean by that is if I sense, you know, just with the people around me, I have significant relationships, both with people older, same age as me and younger. Okay. And I really work hard at trying to be um, what's appropriate for the relationship, open and authentic uh, in that way, and right. always inviting. So I find warning signs for me is if someone is asking a question or leaning in and I have a sense of defensiveness or closed, I go, oh, I probably need to fight to be more open here. So I try not to have anything that's closed off from others, if that okay. makes sense. Yeah. So um, in our family, all of our digital platforms are open to everybody. Now, sometimes my kids can't go on mine because of work, but they see my wife having absolute access to all my stuff. Right. I just think that's important. We try to create that culture of openness there. Yeah. Um, when we have um, 
any accounts that we have, like with Netflix and things like that, we always made all of our accounts the same. So my kids could see what I was watching, especially when I traveled, that was a really interest. And I don't know, Hey, we can hack any of these pieces, but there was just this disposition where I, you know, I wanted to live in such a way that, that I didn't have to fear uh, someone finding out something about me. And mm-hmm. I tried to be open first, if, yeah. if, if you would. And it's not completely that way. There's, hey, we're sinful people. There's things that I go, man, I don't want people to know what I said that day. I get it. But sure. I'm trying to find people I trust to just continually keep short accounts, be honest. And I'm asking them, you know, what I'm looking for is in our natural relational flows, if they start seeing arrogance, if they start seeing, you know, distance, if they start seeing a lack of humility, that should be the warning sign that they should start stepping in a little closer. You know, um, I think when humility starts to go again, we start to be defined by our positions. Um, Mm -hmm. that becomes a problem. And what I'm looking for is I'm looking for people who love me, but are not impressed by me. And wow. if I can have a, a number of those type of people around me, I, I think we have a great, a great chance to win, if you will. Mm. Do, yeah. what, what do you mean exactly by that, Sid? I think, you know, on the surface, that's, yeah. a, that's a great thing to strive for. But again, yeah. a little deeper dive. What does that look yeah. like for you? I love how you say it again, and then maybe just talk, yeah. go a little deeper on that one. Yeah, I want people who uh, love me, but are not impressed by me. So they can, they, they don't have a need to, um, um, uh, what do I, how do I want to put this? Like, they don't need something from me. So they don't feel like they, uh, I want them to have the freedom to love me enough to call me on things, to ask the hard questions, to push in, make okay. me uncomfortable. Yeah. They, they are, they don't think my platform is cool. They, they just think that God's called me to it, to steward it. And their responsibility is to actually help me steward that well by being, and knowing that it's my character and integrity. That's most important there. My wife would be the best example. I mean, when she sees me off, she's just calling me out. Like, she's like, Hey, you're an idiot. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I wish that maybe you weren't quite so pointed, but that's kind of the, you know, but I, I but you're committed. I know you're committed yeah. to me and we're going to work this out. And I try yeah. to be that way as best as possible in relationships where I'm inviting that in. I'm just, I'm trying right. Right. and it's hard because uh, we all have our own pride and different things like that, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm shooting for. So, um, Hmm. Uh, another way that I framed it when I'm talking to students is I want people who, who love me as a friend more than love my friendship. So they're willing to risk the friendship for the sake of loving me as a friend, which means wow. they're going to, they're going to be, they'll know that if they confront me on this, it could cost a friendship, Yeah, but being a friend is more important than the friendship. Wow, to them. That's so good. And so I think that's kind of the ethos that I'm that I'm trying for. Hey, mm-hmm. here's where it comes from. It actually, wh- where it really um, comes to play is with my kids. Um, when my kids call me on things, am I willing to say sorry? Yeah. Uh, how quick do I say sorry to my boys? I think that's a really important indicator yeah. in terms of, of, you know, our character and how we're allowing people to speak into our character. Like, are we people that say sorry? And I just think that's really important 
uh, question to ask. Mm. And the spirit's faithful. He pricks. He's got my conscience going right now. I've got yeah. some people I got to talk to and just, you know, apologize and humble myself and do that. And yeah. I think that kind of movement is, is really important, healthy work. Yeah, that's so good, Sid. And uh, I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It just as you were speaking there, uh, spirit convicted me of somebody I need to talk yeah. to after this interview and, and just need to make amends and just some, they oh, may not even be thinking of it, but exactly. I know in my spirit, right. That I can do better. And that wasn't my best. And um, it pains me, but that's such important practice. Yeah. Hey, let yeah. me throw something at you real quick, Jer. Yeah. This is a side sidebar. Yeah. Um, I've been taking a look, thinking about mental health stuff, right? A lot. And I think there's lots of broken creation causes lots of issues with mental. Like it's not a simplistic issue. Sure. You know, I think about brokenness of creation, my sinful yeah. nature, yeah. Think about the evil one, all these things. If you take a look in um, Psalm uh, 32 and 51, when David is talking about his sin with Bathsheba and yes. unconfessed sin, yeah. his mental state, I think, reflects a lot of the... Um, a lot of the expressions of, of poor mental health. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I wonder if just one, not all things, one of the reasons why sometimes we don't have good mental health might be, it's not very, maybe even rarely, but we should consider it is if we're engaged in practices that don't align with Jesus and his kingdom way, and we're unwilling to confess them, we shouldn't be surprised if our brains become overwhelmed yeah. and we become emotionally crushed. Like, yeah. That, you know, that's actually is one of the things that I reflect on in my own life when I'm kind of wow. working through things in this area. And, and I think the I think the scriptures, you know, reveal that that could be one of the areas that we should be concerned about or considering anyways. Yeah. Oh, I think it's huge. I think you're bang on, Sid. I, I think, yeah, as you've suggested, mental health is huge and so vast. And there's so many reasons yeah. and, you know, contributors to yeah. the the lack that, that many experience in their mental yeah. health. However... There is a lost art of things like confession, right? Like we're not, I mean, I just yes. went through John Mark Comer's book, Live No Lies, powerful read. Yeah. Um, but he talks in there about just confessing sin and how yes. powerful that is, even in amongst community, yep. even to yes. our own family. I want to yes. model that for my kids. Like I, yes. it gave me the thought as I'm reading the book, man, the next time we sit down and yes. you know, family Devo is like, why don't yes. we start by just confessing our sin? We've yes. never done that as a family. Yep. Brilliant. But how powerful would that be, yeah. right, for the whole family oh, and so to good. model something like that for our kids? And I just think, yeah. I think you're right. I think it really does help in our overall because we're so outside often of, of what Jesus modeled for us. And so much, Jared. I think so right good. bang on, dude. I love that so much. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, for the sake of time, we're going to move to our last question. My last question, I'll ask them a, a couple kind of surface level stuff at the end, just where people can find you and, and uh, whatnot online, all that jazz. But before we get to that, in terms of maturing as a leader and growing as a leader, um, I, I know that's something, a lifelong goal for me is to always continually, no matter how old I am, I want to always be growing and learning. And so I've got practices and habits and disciplines set up in my life to ensure that happens because desire alone is never enough. And so with that in mind, what's, you know, leaders are learners, leaders are readers, whatever kind of yeah. cool little tagline you want to put on it, Sid, you know what I'm getting to. How have you stayed engaged in your own personal growth as a leader over the past, you know, couple decades as a leader? Yeah. Like what's been huge, just a practical tip. What's, what are you, what are you learning? 
What are you reading? What's been challenging you in this season? Um, and how do you stay engaged with that in the ongoing? Great. A couple of things real quick. Number one, I want to put myself uh, in, in, in space with, with leaders I respect. And so I fight to try to get into that space. I'll carry their bag <laughs> to the airport yeah. if I have to. Yeah. I'll bring them coffee. I don't care. Yeah. I need to be in their space and watch their lives and how they live and that sort of thing. So I, I think that's a, that's always been a big thing. You, you know, um, if I wanted a mentor, I never went and said to someone, could you mentor me? Right. I just started getting myself in their space. Yeah. And, um, and I would that's honor good. their time. Yeah. You know, um, if I asked them, Hey, I just have a few questions. I'd make it a few questions. Thank you. And then that, you know, that number two, I wanted to stay, um, of course, always teachable. Uh, so I fight, uh, to assume that there's not a room or a person I'm with that I can't learn something from. So mm. try, and I don't always, I'm not always there, but that's what I'm fighting for. Yeah. So I think that's important. Uh, number three, uh, I, I live in this interesting space where I go, only God knows where I can give him the most glory. So wherever I am now, I want to, I want to assume that this, this could be the, the apex, the epitome of what God has asked me okay. to do. So I want to make the most of it. I mm. want to be, I want to just steward this to the best of my ability and trust God that he knows where I can give him the most glory. And then at the same time, if I'm given opportunity to go into a place that will stretch me, yeah. I don't want to be afraid of failure and I want to humbly step into that. Wow. And so I fight to not strive for it. I've had those seasons of my life where I've strived for position. Right. And that's almost always ended in a colossal failure. Yeah. But so I want to steward where I am and then humbly, if he opens a door, move into that space as a way of learning and mm. serving and try not to be afraid of failure. And so I've failed on both of those. I've been too scared to move forward for fear of failure right, and looking dumb. Right. And I've strived for it too much and I failed and looked dumb. So that's kind of the balance play that I make there. Mm, so good. We're going to wrap this up in just a minute, Sid. Right. And this has been so, uh, so powerful, um, so rich, just this conversation. I really appreciate it. But what do you tell our listeners on a lighter side? What do you, you've mentioned, you know, some of the things you do, physical activity, whatnot. Maybe it's something you've already mentioned. Maybe it's outside of that. But what does Sid Coop do for fun? This is what we're all wanting to know. It's why we came to the <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> what do you do for fun? Dude. I have like this man crush on Tom Brady right now, bro. Okay. The guy okay. is 45 years old and he's slinging it in the he NFL. Yeah. And I, uh, it's so funny. That's probably like my, uh, that's like my, what's the word I'm looking for? That's the thing that I like look forward to is watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play okay. football. Cause I'm just Marvel at this dude still doing records. That's you know awesome. what I mean? Yeah. And can I just remind people that when Drew Brees played his last game against the Bucs, Tom Brady walked onto the field and played catch with Drew Brees' sons. Like, how good is that? So I'm just saying that's right now, good. that's, that's uh, you know, that's funny. I think that that actually is probably the kind of my like little pleasure. I, I tape the football game so I can fire through it pretty quick. Uh, but I do love watching the Tampa Bay that's Buccaneers. Awesome. I love watching football and that that would be that would be that, uh, that would be, that would be the deal. I also am not going to lie that I'm a pretty big fan of ice cream as well. Okay. So okay. we do a few, we do a fair amount of like ice cream run boys and, uh, and away we go. Nice. Not going to lie about that either. No matter what time of year, it doesn't matter. Cold does not hot. matter, dude. Does not matter. Okay. Jer. Good in to fact, know. for a while there, I, uh, I was working, uh, uh, you know, I'm working with a church here in Kelowna 
And uh, man, I was on a roll, dude. Every time I was done, I would go through the McDonald's drive-thru <laughs> and I'd rock the uh, hot apple pie and ice cream. There you go. <laughs> what a combo. There it is. Oh, right. Ice cream and pie and ice cream. Come on. And it cost me $3 and 60 cents. I could budget that is. piece right in there. And I just, uh, I knocked that thing out of the park. So, so shout out to the, you, you uh, heard it here first folks, <laughs> Mickey D's hot apple pie, hot apple pie little ice, ice cream, cream from McDonald's run. <laughs> you don't get a body like Sid Coops by sitting on the couch and eating potato chips. This guy goes with the apple pie and ice cream. That's how it's done. folks. <laughs> you want to stay young, exactly right. hip, healthy. You get there it that. is. That was get worth that. the price of admission. <laughs> Okay, Sid, last piece of advice, any last final words, uh, resources, nuggets of truth out there you'd love to share with listeners, knowing that many of our listeners are are, our listeners coming from a ministry context today, what would you say to them, especially in this pandemic we find ourselves in? This episode will probably air beginning of February, so anything you'd say to, to listeners today before we go? You know, I, I always get, you always feel the pressure of this, of this last yeah, question, right? Got to sure. make it awesome. I don't know. Here's what I'm, here's where I'm right now. I, I think, um, I think we have to get our heads wrapped around the reality that things probably aren't going to get easier. Hmm. I think we're in complex times. There's heavyweight and there's pressure and there's much at stake. It's yeah. just true. Yeah. And, uh, and I just, uh, Jer, I think we, we are called to be hope bringers. So we better get real clear on what the hope is that we're bringing and what the hope is that we're counting on. You know, after the first year of the pandemic, we used to say, I can't wait to get to 20, uh, 2021, 2020 was so terrible. Can't wait. Are you kidding me? 2021. And then it was like, can't wait to get to 2022. Are you kidding me? Like we better get clear on what our hope is and we better start thinking, Hey God, I need to be in this for the long haul because our calling might be more important now than it's ever been. That's right. And, and it's not going to, it's not going to get easier. We got to get our heads wrapped around that. So I think what that means is that we have to, we have to do battle in our minds and we have Mm. to fight for the truth of who Jesus is. And again, the things I keep fighting for is that he is good. He is wise and he is all powerful. And if that is true, then, you know, in every situation he's for me, He's for his kingdom work. He's called me. He will empower me. And I got to keep fighting for that truth so I can stay in it and continue to be faithful because we need to be faithful. Maybe now more than ever, we need to be faithful. And I know it's hard. And I know many of our listeners are struggling. I know that there's many who are maybe looking at one foot out the door. I get it. You might need to take breaks. You might need sabbatical. I understand that. Um, But man, I'm just, I'm praying that God would renew, restore, and you would put yourself at a place where you can continue to be renewed and restored uh, so that you can carry on in this incredibly important work that God has called us to in this time. And mm-hmm. if you got to take a break, that's fine. Then we got to get up and go sure. again, though. Sure. You know, we just got to keep fighting to get up yeah. and go again. So I think that's where my heart is these days. And I'm, and I'm as much preaching to myself. I remember reading a book by a guy named Hayden Robinson. He said, good preachers preach to themselves before they preach to anyone else. Right. So I'm probably preaching to myself as much as anyone, Jer, but, but we got to keep fighting for that. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. And uh, I know that's a, a real encouragement to so many listeners out there today. Well, Sid, before we officially sign off, where can listeners find you online? If they want to follow the Sid Coop story, what you're doing, what you're up to, how can we follow? How can we yeah. uh, join you in your journey? 
I think the best is, you know, right now our most public part of our organization is the youth worker community. So youthworker.community is our website um, at youthworker at YWC, I think is our Instagram handle. We're probably most active on Instagram, uh, youth worker community on Instagram there. And uh, that's where much of our stuff comes from. We're trying to get better at that because we don't, we don't work off the platform well, but we realize that it's important to be engaging people and building that. So that's the best place to find us. And I'm fairly active there or at Sid underscore coop on Instagram as well. Like I'll play around a little bit in that space as well, but those are the best places. And then our podcast, Jer, like I love the podcast. We started it because we wanted to make a difference beyond our moments that we were in. So yeah. our podcast is um, the volunteer youth worker um, uh, podcast. It used to be called youth, uh, youth ministry team podcast. Okay. And um, you can find that. And it's just a, a podcast that's really focused on encouraging, encouraging and equipping volunteer youth workers to better disciple kids in their ministries. And, um, and we're pretty active there as well. And so really, awesome. really thankful, Jared, uh, uh, to thank you for that, giving me an opportunity to share that. And again, we're just really privileged to be a part of the whole youth worker community. You, you know, we just, we just think it's a real privilege and a gift and, and we're thankful to be helpful when we can. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Well said, you are a gift and that podcast and, and so many of the other things that you do, you've just done this, this tour for youth workers across Canada back mm. in the fall. And we just appreciate, I appreciate so much what you do and how you serve youth leaders and workers across this great nation of Canada that we're, we're both called to, uh, to equip leaders in. And so just appreciate you, your friendship, and thanks for your time today, Sid. This has been awesome. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Thanks for your work, bro. Sure appreciate it. Well, there you have it, listeners, from apple pie and ice cream to airsoft parties. Sid Coop is an interesting dude with an interesting story, and just appreciate him so much. Just the depth, the spiritual depth. The more I get to know him, the deeper I find this man to be in his own spiritual depth. Uh, I know he loves Jesus and loves to spend time with him, and I just keep learning every time I have a conversation with this guy. I come away better. And it's good for my soul as well. So thank you, Sid, for doing this. Thank you for your heart, for youth workers across Canada. We really appreciate the work that you do for all of us. This has been another episode, another Leadership Top 5. And if you've appreciated this episode, if you've learned from... I, I really do hope that you'll go ahead and share it. Hit us, Give us a like on wherever you listen to your podcast, whether that be Spotify, iTunes, doesn't matter, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast, go ahead and share it, like it. Just helps us spread the word so others can find this resource as well. And until next time, I really do hope and pray that you know that your leadership really does matter and you'll be intentional about your own leadership health as a leader. Why? Because healthy leaders produce healthy ministry. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.